Hey everybody, welcome back to the Big Bad Fake Cast. I'm your host, Brett, doing my intro for the second time as I forgot to hit record. <laughs> so with me today is two, are two of my co-hosts, Brick Cinema, also known as Nick. Hey everybody. And Zach is joining us, also known as Minifigure Folks. Hello again. And I had this awesome flowery intro, but I'm just going to say uh, we have a really awesome guest today. One of the kindest men I've met. He was probably one of the only people besides the team I was wa- walking with at Brick Fair that actually would offer people help carrying stuff in back to their cars. So it says a lot about his character. And I really enjoyed my talk with him so much so I had to have him on the podcast. So today we have uh, Ethan, creator and owner of K-Town Bricks. How's it going? I, I, thanks for your patience, guys. Uh, so it's been a rough week. I just <laughs> I recorded with Mini Bigs yesterday and we're doing this one today. And uh, I'm obviously losing my marbles because I forgot to hit record for the first 10 minutes of this podcast. So <laughs> let's just recreate so, it. Can we, can we you guys, our yeah, lines? we're going to recreate the whole thing. So okay. before we get into custom minifigures, Zach had some questions about the fast food joint Zaxby's. So, <laughs> so let's just roll through this and get it out of the way again. Okay. So yeah, the set the scene. We're on the DMs and I'm like, I bet you. That, you know, he's K-Town, Ethan's in Tennessee. I bet you he knows about Zaxby's because I love that restaurant and it's regional, right? So I grew up in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I was, and sure enough, you said that you had one down the street. So, and you had a lot of opinions about Zaxby's. So just yeah. got me really excited to come on and talk about fast casual chicken. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we have the Zaxby's right down the, the road from the shop. And what, what, what so, is that? What's that called again? Yeah, it's on Big Mac Drive. Yes, Big Mac that's Drive. right. Big Mac Drive. <laughs> Typical small town fashion. We have Big Mac Drive. And, you know, I guess McDonald's like paid off the city or something. And, and they have the, the monopoly on burgers. So every other restaurant on the street is like a chicken place or a Taco Bell. And, and the Zaxby's just happens to be the closest. So you can just zip on down to Zaxby's and be back to the shop before you know, before you even the ink fumes have left your brain. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and those fumes are something else. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's you know I, I don't know the the fumes might might taint the the flavor of the chicken because you know I think I I like Cane's chicken better than Zaxby's but Zaxby's fries are better but I think Cane's has the the better chicken. Cane's chicken yeah. is good. Yeah, yeah. I gotta Kane's, keep this. Yeah. I gotta keep this minifigure related. So what are we gonna get a Zaxby's scratch and sniff minifigure? Ooh, I want a figure that smells like fried chicken. I don't know. I gotta. <laughs> I'll gotta put it right next that. to my CB's pumpkin spice girl. Do you think I could include sauce with that? Well, you know, <laughs> well, the, oh, the clamshell with sauce and and well, uh, that's been done already. Actually, if you saw, I did a reel. Um, so he formerly goes by BBS Bricks. Unfortunately, Instagram tanked his account. I can't remember his new name because it was something I haven't put to memory yet. Great guy. He actually he was a handcrafted customizer. Uh, he mm-hmm. uh, was challenged to use condiments to paint a minifigure. And he did like he did like a like a base coat with like I think mayonnaise, and then he had Chick Fil A sauce and ketchup that he was painting on the chat torso. He put a little fried chicken, uh, you know, accessory in the hand, and it came out really good. And he used the, he used the French fry as a paintbrush. It's like better than Lego Masters. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I love Lego Masters. You no know, tanking on that show, but um, 
I want to see a game show about making more figs with condiments. It's pretty cool, man. <laughs> well, I love that. Podcast exclusive, K-Town's making fried chicken figures. Like a scratch and sniff Zaxby's fig, but, you know, deep fried K-Town figs not entirely off the table. (laughs) (laughs) Or you just, you know, zip across the street, grab some grease, just kind of lather them up. (laughs) Zaxby's used to be better. It used to be better than Cane's, I can guarantee it. But I think they have dropped in quality and their chicken fingers got smaller somewhere along the way. Cause when I was a kid, they were huge. Inflation. But now that I say that I was a kid, so they were probably bigger than. Yeah. In relation to your uh, eyes. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm just now realizing <laughs> this. My whole life has changed. Well, I had for the first time since I was a kid, I had Roy Rogers, which growing up in New York, they were everywhere. And in Virginia, they're not very prevalent. And my, my youngest just got into like really Got into a fried chicken phase. So I was like, oh, I'm going to buy this on the way home because I don't feel like cooking tonight. So I got him fried chicken. And that was the first time I had that in a long time. Ooh. I was just like, damn, this kind of took me back. Anyway, so. We're, we're eating vegetarian <laughs> tonight. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've only had a Pop-Tart tonight. <laughs> so A Pop-Tart? I've been, going, I've been going 100 miles an hour all day. I was home for five minutes. I made my kid dinner. Uh, one of my kids dinner. The other one's like not hungry or. There's nothing to eat in the house. <laughs> and I was like, fine, you're on your own. The trains left the station. I grabbed a snack, came down here to pregame this episode with Nick, and then I'll eat afterwards. You know, maybe maybe I can find some fried chicken. Can I bring up some controversy? Sure. Okay, here we go. I like unfrosted Pop-Tarts. What? That's, no, did no. you hear that? Did you? Yeah, we I like unfrosted Pop-Tarts. I mean, I just I think it's a it's a good pastry. It's a solid pastry without the sugary frosting. I don't. Well, I don't toast I my pop tarts. Favorite pop tart flavor? I nobody nobody does that. You yeah, gotta pop them. Brown sugar pop cinnamon. Tart. No, I hate brown sugar cinnamon. Yeah, when I was in the military, I, that was the only one you'd ever get mailed to you by everybody. I got uh, so sick of them. There's some there's some trauma uh, there. No, I like the s'mores. That. I like the chocolate fudge. I like. If I'm gonna eat unhealthy, I'm going all in. I, I want to. None of those crazy flavors like Fruit Loop syrup or whatever weird shit they got out there but i've seen some gross ones yeah some we gotta talk many figures before everyone you know turns this episode all right all right we can get back on track i just want to say this is the second pop tart discussion i've had just today alone bring it around deep fried pop tarts would be great deep fried pop tarts would be great ethan just said you haven't had pop tarts till you were since you were 11 yeah something like that i mean i don't know the last time i've had one so when you found toaster (laughs) never turned back yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't get all fancy on us now. Use use the frosting from the toaster strudel on the pop tart. That now that's adventure okay. game. Yeah. Okay. We want to hear from you, the audience. What do you prefer, pop tarts or toaster strudels? Let us know in the comments. I, I swear that this is interesting conversation. <laughs> I, or maybe it's just to me. I don't know. It really is an interesting wrap up to my week. I, uh, <laughs> Man, it's, been, it's like I said, it's been a day. I'll tell you what, pop talking so, about toaster strudels really takes me back. Speaking of taking us back, how about my segue? (laughs) See where it's going. How about you give us a little a little brief history of of your Lego history, Ethan? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Were you always a fan? Did you have a dark period, or got you in all? I never had a dark period. Kind of just went straight from Lego as a kid to Lego as a adult. I guess I kind of got to a higher level of Lego pretty young. The first convention I went to was in 2012, Brick Fair, Alabama. 
I used to live in Birmingham and then, you know, I'd seen, you know, YouTube videos of people going to Brick Fair Virginia and then they were having the first Brick Fair Alabama that next year. And, and so I didn't live in Birmingham at the time, but we had friends there. And so I went down there and just got hooked on it. Then I'm pretty sure every single Brick Fair Alabama they ever did until they canceled it and then started doing Brick Fair Virginia maybe a year later and, you know, going as a fan, building mocks trading with people, going to the yard sale, doing all that kind of stuff from when I was a teenager and that kind of thing. And, you know, from that kind of led me into selling on BrickLink to fund my Lego addiction and buying sets on clearance and parting them out and selling those kinds of things. From there, I guess at some point I just started, I got a vendor's booth at, I think it was Brick Fiesta in 2015. And you know, drove across the country to that show and, and sold and then got a booth at Brick for Alabama the next year and still selling Lego stuff, no customs at this point. And did that for a couple of years until after I graduated high school and doing a couple different things at that time. Uh, I didn't go to college. I was working as a freelance photographer, freelance graphic designer, started having some ideas of some things that I wanted to make custom fig wise that, you know, wasn't available from other sellers at the time and started looking into my options there. And in 2019, I bought a used UV printer and went from that, <laughs> uh, went from there. So you bought a UV, what, how old were you when you bought the UV printer? Just like straight out of high school? I was, um, probably two years out of high school then. And I'd been working, I was doing just about anything I could do. I was driving DoorDash, doing photography stuff. I did a lot of freelance stuff for like local tourism boards in Chattanooga. So going and shooting video content for the aquarium, there were doing video content for some local influencers, Instagram content, just a whole bunch of that. Save and still doing the Lego stuff, the brick link and then the shows. And what got you? Why, so what was the impetus by the UV printer? Like, had you been thinking about printing for a long time or? It had, I mean, it was a thought over a couple of months. I'd been, I knew that I wanted to do something with the business. I wasn't sure exactly what direction I wanted to go. I was still doing the Lego business, saving up money for whatever that next, you know, route was. And I probably knew for eight to 10 months before I bought the UV printer that that's what I wanted to do. Really the Templar Knights and some of the Crusaders that I had that are, you know, some of our most popular products still to this day. I, you know, did initial artwork on all those things and then was in the market for a UV printer at the time I couldn't afford a new one and ended up finding one at a, an engineering firm in Kentucky and, and went up there and bought that one when it, um, came. Hey, hey Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, I just felt, I just felt like I wanted to jump in and give a shout out to Kentucky. That's fine. But, um, yeah. Then that's why I asked you about about chicken, and but I, but I do have to go. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm like I'm engrossed in what you're saying. I think it's I, you just sent me a mermaid from the alchemy drop, so I'm really excited to get that, Ethan. I super respect you, man. I gotta go though, guys. I'm sorry. I gotta put a baby to bed. I got Good Night Moon to read. Have fun recording. See you, Zach. Bye. <laughs> yeah. See you guys. Have moon. fun. Um. Well, I was gonna ask you. I was kind of curious who was printing. Like, what were the other brands that were printing back then? Because I feel like so many have entered the past couple of years, but that was a while back. Were there, right. were there any that you were looking to um, at the time? or I don't know. I Like, a lot of the, the big ones still today were, were around back then. 
I have always been a, a big collector of Citizen Brick. I don't I, like. I don't know. I I was aware of more of the the brands that were going to the shows, and I wasn't as much a part of like the Instagram community at the time. So you know, there might have been brands around back then that I just wasn't aware of, just because I wasn't as invested in that. More online the, more of the same people that you would see just at the booth every show you went to, probably. Right. Right. Uh, the uh, yeah, I would say the migration from Flickr to Instagram probably started around the time that you were starting. So yeah, you know, right, yeah. kind of before COVID or whatever. So, you know, actually, I didn't even think about that. Um, you were getting started, you know, when as COVID was coming around. Yeah, and so so that must have been an additional challenge trying to get your business off the ground. Yeah, it well, it was kind of a challenge, and then also like a safety net in a way because we got the printer, you know, kind of early mid year of 2019, like started, you know, developing, I didn't want to get the printer and just like go straight to market with, you know, whatever I could get off the print bed. And so, you know, I spent a good six months like developing and, and practicing working on alignment, learning the print software, learning the printer itself, the color science behind it. And we had our first release, I think it was in October of 2019. So it was still a couple months before COVID hit. We kind of hit the ground running. I had taken some of my photography knowledge and, you know, put that straight into our marketing right off the bat. And, you know, our first couple of releases were really good. I couldn't have been happier at the time. And when COVID hit, we were still doing the online releases. At that time, shows were a big part of our revenue and got all put on hold. And so to have the online portion of the business is actually probably what saved the business you know, the BrickLink at that time had kind of, I had phased that out and, and so didn't really have that online presence there anymore. And so the, the, the printing of the custom figs became the main part of the business and really what kept me afloat during that time. Yeah. You, so your, your first release was the Game of Thrones set, correct? That's correct. Right. So, well, what made you pick that in particular, seeing how, so, how it evolved into what you're doing now? Was it just like a, I know this is hot, this will get me on the map, or <laughs> you were a fan of the show, or? It had kind of become a special interest of mine. Like I had gone through and like rewatched the whole thing, like after the last season came out, I guess probably that same year. And was, I had built some mocks of it, like a scene from each of the seasons and kind of just, you know, went into like, a, I don't know, obsession about it, I guess, just like the character design, the armor. I'm really big on just medieval armor, costume design for fantasy kinds of things. And um, it was just something I had to make. And I, it, it was the first thing we released, but it actually wasn't the first thing we printed. So so what was the first thing you printed? It was the Templar Knights and the Teutonic Knights, okay. those Crusaders, that kind of thing. Um, and then was it February 2022, you got your first pad printer, correct? So again, I, I think I got it earlier than that. And, you know, well, I saw of, it on Instagram. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. So, That's right. Yeah. My you know, knowledge. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm like, I don't know. I I don't like to share too much until we, you know, have a process figured out. And because I don't, I don't want to come to the table and put something out that I don't think is satisfactory. So, you know, when we develop a new process, I really want to really spend the time to develop it, fine tune it and develop some craftsmanship for what we're doing. And so, so we, our first automatic press, we actually had a manual press that I had been trying to use for a while and, and had made a couple of products with it, but quickly 
found out that there were like limits to what we could do with it in terms of repeatability of cycle time and different things that just fine tune the process and lead to a higher quality print. I didn't want to go into pad printing, offering a print that was not too industry standard to like a high standard. And so I don't know that we ever released anything that I printed on that manual press for that reason. Well, it shows in your current products because they're the prints are so damn clean. That was my first reaction when I when I got them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your printing's you. phenomenal. And it's obviously very clear that you care a lot about the process and high standards. Um, yeah. And I know because I shoot with a macro lens and I feel like it blows everything completely out of proportion. Like nobody can really see that with the with the naked eye. And yeah, your stuff is flawless. So thank you. Yeah, I, I guess that photography eye kind of forces me to hold that hold myself to that standard because you know I take all of our product photos and and so I'll take a product photo and when I have it all blown up on a 27 inch screen looking at the picture and I find something I'm like okay well now let's let's dig into why that happened even if nobody can see it with their naked eye and I I want to go back and and see and not everything is can be fixed like that but. I'm always like, you know, trying to see how we can improve the process. I would imagine that's what pad printing's. I don't know. It seems so interesting in that it feels like you'll never master it. It's like chess or any, any interesting kind of game or, or career, right? Where you're always, there's always something new and it feels like it's changing a lot too. Like even depending on the day, like I've heard you say the humidity can change it, the temperature, just all kinds of variables. So it feels like it's never right locked down. Do you like yeah, that or do you hate that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I I wish it wasn't so dependent on humidity and things like that because in the southern U.S., the humidity is, it can, it can be a pain. <laughs> so, you know, we run humidifiers and, and, you know, maintain the, like the atmosphere of the shop as much we can because when you start trying to print when it's 70 degrees and 85% humidity and then the next day it's going to be 60 degrees and 35% humidity, you know, you're just going to have inconsistent results. So, you know, we try to nail down what the optimum range is and, you know, try to keep it with that. And, you know, sometimes we can't get there because, you know, the shop's a 3,500 square foot warehouse. Sometimes it's so hot in the summer, we just can't get it down or the humidity. And so, you know, there's just some days when we can't print or we have to print specific things because some of the more, you know, difficult techniques won't work with those conditions. I mean, so just because now you you still use your UV printing process, correct? In some in some regards, that is correct. What's the main driver that makes you decide? Well, this is going to be print pad. This is going to be UV. So I guess we have a couple of different product lines, at least different product lines in my mind. We have a lot of customers that buy both, but we have the historical nights, which are like the Crusaders are in that category. A lot of them are necessarily knights, but noblemen, you know, from tapestries and different things, historical people. And medieval people love to embellish their coats of arms and they like to go crazy with the colors. So if I'm printing a historical coat of arms, I don't necessarily want to be confined to the colors of pad printing because if somebody's crest is five colors and then I'm going to have to have black and brown for the belt and then silver for the chainmail, it just is not feasible to go and do eight and nine color pad prints for that type of figure. Pad printed stuff, you know, most all of the fantasy stuff is going to be pad printed because I have more leeway to, you know, design within the, um, the constraints of pad printing. 
those historical designs, if I were to take a, a known historical person and start taking some colors out, people would be like, hey, that's not that's not right. And so. Gotcha. Makes sense. So, I mean, it sounds from your previous statement, you know, so the medieval stuff is obviously a niche that you've become known for uh, above all anything else that you've produced. And I'm curious, and you, you seem to lean toward earlier with your Game of Thrones answer that this is just a, a realm that, that you've always been fascinated with. But so is it just the stars aligned? You're like, well, you know what? No one else is making these. I happen to like these peanut butter and yeah. jelly. Everything yeah. is great. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I mean, like when I first got into it, I didn't expect it to be a full time thing. I thought it might be a good side hustle between the the shows and, you know, the freelance photography and all that kind of stuff. But COVID shut everything down and I was, you know, left with really only that. Then, you know, I saw that nobody else is doing this. People like the product that I'm putting out and, you know, I can actually do this for a living. So. Well, it, well, it appeals to the, those who are that lean towards the purest Lego side of the house that, you know, want that Lego look, your medieval and fantasy figs can kind of flow both ways. I mean, you can put them side by side with like a citizen brick fig and it looks like it's part of a set. You can put it right next to some Lego classic Lego and it looks like it's part of the set. So you've got this chameleon product that, can appeal to so many people, which I think is really unique. Right. You know, I like to be intentional with, you know, how I choose line thicknesses and color palettes. And, you know, I, I've heard Joe say it before that, you know, the process lends itself to a certain design. And it really is true because different line thicknesses print different ways with with pad printing. And there's kind of just a Goldilocks zone of what's looks good and then it's also easier to print you know if you get in run into printing really really tiny lines all the time then it's a wet ink process which you know the lines can dry out on the pad you have all kinds of issues you can run into so you know really it's it's designed for aesthetic and function and i think a lot of the brands that pad print and have that same similar style is it's a similar uh, aesthetic and function kind of choice I was going to ask, so you've had a couple of cool ones recently that I, I don't do a lot of medieval in any, in any of that stuff, even though I love and appreciate the designs. It's not something I collect, but you did the Mad Hatter and Wednesday and the Mermaids, and you're starting to kind of cross over into stuff that I can't, I can't resist. <laughs> but I'm kind of curious, what, you know, <laughs> what have you been most excited about designing lately? And I'm also, yeah, you know, I guess that's my question. <laughs> I think... <laughs> right. Well, so I really like designing the nights, but you know, over the years it's it it has become kind of repetitive. Sure. Because a lot of them are very similar. And so I kind of needed to express my creativity in a in a different way just to avoid it feeling repetitive. And so you know, the things like the Mad Hatter and the Queen of Hearts, they weren't necessarily based on any previous representation of those characters. They were kind yeah. of just pulled out of my brain and a lot of the fantasy other fantasy figs that i do are, are similar i don't necessarily have references for those kinds of things and I, I i like to be able to work with references for the historical stuff but then also just put down on a blank canvas just you know whatever i you know envision in my mind yeah the dune ones if, if i can just like gush about some of your stuff for a minute <laughs> the dune figures were really cool as well or can we say dune yeah those were extremely popular you on the superhero custom sides of the house. Mm -hmm. I know several folks that they don't really invest in like the K town true reds, big CB side of things. 
and they but they were all about those dune figures yeah yeah i that was another one of those kind of passion projects for me with the with the pop culture stuff it it kind of has to be the wednesday set it's the same way i you know watched the show and and you know just decided i needed to make that fig i watched dune and then went and read the book and decided i had to make those figs that kind of thing that wednesday fig was phenomenal no disrespect to the others that have attempted that figure but there are aspects of your version that i'm i think far outperformed other people's um, I'm, I'm always, everyone who knows me on this podcast knows I always play, you know, walk the line, I'm neutral and all this other stuff, but yeah. I, I can't, I can't deny the fact that like the way you did the skirt, um, the print on the jacket, the, you know, the thickness of the, the stripes in the jacket really, really stood out to me. I really loved it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with how, how that turned out. And, you know, I'm happy that I was able to work with Joe to get those skirts made because I think that's one of the things that really made the fig in my opinion i that was one of the things that was really stumping me before i you know went full into production for it because i had i was at a show in chicago the a christmas train show and and um ended up going over to joe's shop after the show and we were talking about it and you know working it out that he could make some of those skirts that he already had the mold for it and and so i'm grateful that we were able to do that and and uh, I was a little bit worried about being able to print on that, you know, being such an abstract shape and made the artwork for it. I made a couple of different versions thinking, you know, I might have to you know, adjust this. And, and uh, luckily I was able to get it just the second, first or second time. So I never, I never thought I would do like a five color print of just different shades of, of black, white, and gray, but that's, that's pretty much what that, that fig is. So I guess, the skirts were citizen brick molded, but you do a ton of molded parts. I have one of your swords in my hand that I picked up at Brick Fair, Virginia, which is really cool. Dual, yeah. Tool over molded, I guess. I was kind of curious to get your perspective on molding because I think one of my favorite things, it feels like a figure is kind of naked if it doesn't have, you know, custom molded parts. But also, I'm always impressed when you're able to keep the price point very reasonable while also doing that. I don't understand how it's possible to do but kind of blows my mind. And I feel like, yeah, I'm curious, how long have you been molding and what was it like kind of getting into that? Um, It just seems so complicated. So I guess we've been molding ourselves for about 18 months before I had the first molds made. So I do all the CAD myself. And so probably at least a year of just working around in CAD and learning that kind of stuff. And developing a design aesthetic for parts that will work with Lego as well, because that's another thing I didn't, I want the, you know, our molded parts to mesh with Lego parts and other custom parts, you know, the same way that our prints do. And I don't want to go over detailed. I don't want to go under detailed and finding that kind of realistic cartoon balance, I guess, is the the best way to put it. And like, especially with our swords, you know, I wanted to keep a, a proportion that was, I guess, realistic to the Lego fig. So like Lego's own swords, in my opinion, are are very large compared to Lego figures. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to go that large. But then if you go sm- so small that they're, you know, like a toothpick, then that also doesn't look great, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a weird balance with the scale st- and proportions. I think you nailed it, man. I love playing with these. Oh, so I had one question. How long, like... How did you start to grow the business? Because when did you take on your first employee and how big are you guys now? So we have four employees now and I've, I guess, let me think here. 
I started out hiring, you know, part-time people, college student. I hired a college student who was in computer science and, you know, kind of, you know, started trying to teach the, you know, the pad printing, what we like to call grunt work of prepping parts, assembling parts, packaging parts. Character um, building. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody hates it when I say we're going to change out hands or arms Ouch. on a thousand figs, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then from there, you know, slowly growing to have a couple part-time people. And then from there went to having a couple full-time people teaching them the entire process, start to finish up ad printing and starting to migrate from myself doing all the design, all the printing and everything like that to me trying to delegate my creative design to the people who work for me. And so, you know, I do the design work and, you know, with a plan and then coming up with a way to distribute the work so that we can get to the end goal and get the result that I have in my brain. Did you find it hard to relinquish some of that control and some of that oversight? I mean, I know you're approving the final designs and the final prints, but yeah, putting your faith in the yeah. team and letting go. Yeah, it, it's definitely difficult. And we've had to, to throw some trays of parts in the trash and it, and it hurts. But, you know, it has allowed me to become more creative with the process because I'm not having to do every single step of the way. And so some of the more, I don't want to say menial tasks, but the, the less creative tasks, they don't have to take up my energy as much so that, you know, in the last year we've been going in the directions with the pop culture stuff, with the pad printed fantasy things, and then more molded products. And, and I really, I'm happy with the way that we're going in that direction. Are you finding you have more time to design and do the things that kind of you're the kind of are the essence of K-Town? Are you able to focus more on that stuff now or is it or are you still kind of figuring it all out? You know, it kind of it's I, I'm always figuring it out. It's always changing. I personally find it hard to do design work during the day while mm. I'm, you know, managing a team. And so there's certain days when you know, I have the shop to myself and don't necessarily have to manage people. And I do a lot of the artwork on those days. And like right now it's, you know, Mondays and Wednesdays. And so I, I like to I have my brain days is what I call them. And so I can kind of work on that kind of stuff without also having to make sure that like, I don't know, it's not micromanaging, but when you have four or five people working at one time, it's hard to get a set quiet time to sit down and do that creative process yeah you have to get into the zone and, and focus on what you're mm -hmm. what you want to think about but then yeah then if you have to distract yourself by following up on other things and being a project manager it can be difficult um right now i remember when we first met in person at brick fair virginia this past year for the first couple of days you were working that booth solo yeah um, I'd be paranoid. I don't know how you do it because I'd be, I'd be eyes on like every trade, making sure no one got sticky hands, but no, you really, you really attracted a, a lot of great clientele. And whereas one thing I did notice about the K town booth is, you know, cause I hung around a lot, you know, one, see if you need any help yeah. with anything, but in just looking at parts and whatever, but at every other booth, it was a very transactional. They show up, they look what they want. They ask you some questions, they buy, they move on. Your booth seemed to generate a lot of conversation amongst the clientele where they would just start talking in reference to, you know, the designs of the figs or the print. I mean, it really, I'd never, and, and maybe it was because in contrast, I just shot that video of everyone trying to get all grabby <laughs> at Joe's booth that, right. <laughs> that it, you know, but those were all 
you know, loyal customers that know the brand, but you, you were getting a lot of folks that hadn't seen you before meeting for the first time, asking a lot of questions and then showing the people that they were with. And it just seemed like a lot of people were congregating around your booth, just talking about the product, which I, I hope translated into sales. I, I didn't watch that closely. Yeah. But it was just really neat seeing how excited they were to see your work and talk about it. And I could see the I could see the look on your face too when talking about it. You can see you really enjoy engaging with these folks. But I gotta say, you must have been exhausted being the only person working at booth after a day or two. Yeah, I mean it's exhausting, but you know, it's also rewarding because one of those things that like I do it, you know, all day, every day. And so I become somewhat desensitized to it and to you know, have been working in the shop for hours and hours and hours working on, you know, a minifigure. By the time we get done to it it, or done with a figure, you know, it's kind of old news to us. So, you know, to see it like really light somebody up to see it and it kind of re-inspires me, I guess. I always have this, I call it a post-show inspiration. And by the end of the show, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go, not because I'm, you know, ready to get out of the show, but I'm ready to go so I can go design everything that I have inspiration to design from talking to people because, you know, I really like people see, oh, this and I like this and this and, oh, this would complement this product so well. And then I'm just, you know, making a mental note. And, and even if it takes me a year to get to it, I, I have a humongous list of things that, you know, I want to make. That's awesome. Um, I just want to double dial back to one thing that Nick brought up, the, uh, the mermaids. Those were, they debuted at Brick Fair. Um, and the way for those who weren't there, you had to basically uh, build a mermaid uh, setup, kind of like a buffet where you could pick your head, pick your tail, pick your torso, pick your hair. Uh, that was a lot of fun as I was trying to assemble as many different combinations as possible to make sure I was represented. You know, I represented everything I could, that was, that was able to do. Now, what are commonly referred to as misprints you have dubbed alchemies, which I think is great because yep. it kind of flows into that whole, you know, fantasy realm. Have you found that the, and you just recently did a drop um, last Saturday that included uh, more alchemies of like Mad Hatter and the Mermaids standard from what was even available at Brick Fair. Do you find the alchemies have been received well by those traditional K-Town customers that are used to the classic yellow, simplistic, you know, aesthetic or, well, I have a, I have a second part of that question. Okay. Do you feel that it brought in a new set of clientele, those who do chase those special colors and funky designs like from the CB type of world? I think that it definitely is. It definitely appeals to both. And I, right now we're trying out some different formats of how to offer them because I feel like, you know, the people who are not seasoned to the the citizen brick, that kind of collecting, it's a little bit of a shock when they don't know how to get them kind of thing. And so we're, you know, trying out some different ways to offer those because I think our alchemy dropped from this summer went a lot faster than most people expected. And a lot of the people who are used to shopping around, adding to the cart, got cart jacked. So I, I think we're going to, you know, figure out a couple of different ways that we're going to offer those products and then, you know, go through a rotation so that there's still, you know, a mad dash, but then there's going to be like with the Mad Hatters and the Mermaids, you know, we just offered a type of figure with a random color assortment. and then there's less carjacking and and it makes it more accessible. Fair enough. So I, I have to say the the thing that I've I always knew about you before we had met, but I never bought because I wasn't aware of the full catalog. The goat figure, the one that's yeah. the one that pulled me in. So for those who aren't familiar, um, you released a special tin that had a figure that had these awesome gold shades that were little goats for sunglasses. 
uh, for the save of the shades and said, you know, go <laughs> and had the chain. And, and then you also had, you know, the Lego goat. It's just the whole thing was phenomenal. How did that all come about? Because after that, I was sucked in. I think it was really one of the most random things ever. I think so. I was in the car riding home with a friend or something, and I was just looking on Bricklink like I do. <laughs> I'm always on Bricklink looking for parts. And somebody had a bunch of goats. And and this was a long time before the figure even came about because I, I had this idea and then I had to amass the goats. And so this person had probably eight goats, which is a lot of goats, you know, if you know anything about the Lego goat. And so I just decided to be a crazy person and buy these eight goats and, you know, figured I would I would make something crazy with it. You know, our our nights are what we got started with, but I think it's interesting that one of my favorite things and I, a lot of our customers' favorite things that we make are the peasants and, you know, there's the common people. You know, you're going to build a huge castle and you got to outfit it. And, and so I'm like, well, we need a goat farmer. <laughs> and originally I didn't even have the idea for the... The, the guy with the chain and the glasses. And that was just, you know, a 2 a.m. idea. And I just whipped it up right then. It paid off. And and I think I ended up getting either 25 or 30 goats and just deciding, all right, I, I can't keep draining my bank account. This is, you know, what we're going to do. And decided to do the ones with the goats and then also without, because I, I knew that not everybody would be able to buy the one with the goat. And so we, we did throw some other... Easter egg kind of stuff in with the uh, the tin. So we had a imaginary goat tile that we printed to put in the ones that didn't have the goat. So you could imagine you have a Lego goat. <laughs> and, uh, one of our most popular tiles that we've ever made is a tile that says missing goat. And so I took the same tile and changed it to found goat and then added some like tears on the edges, like the goat had been chewing on the, <laughs> the poster and put that in that had the goat. So. Yeah, I do love the little nuances. The tiles seem to be a big hit. Tiles are awesome. Phil, Fathead Bricks. Phil, Phil, one of our co-hosts. Yeah, every time there's a drop, he's buying the tiles and having them sent to his pile here at my house. Tile pile. Ship them over to the UK. Tile Potion. pile. There you go. The potions. Oh, are the potions. Crazy too. I grabbed all sixteen of them. I was at. I saw them. Like, oh, they're so pretty and they're so varied in their in their shapes and the the namings are great. And so I, I bought all sixteen potions. We've been printing more potions for October this week. We actually, we printed some more today and um, I don't know. We've, we've got some pretty funny ones for this, this next job. I'm having to, to go a little bit farther outside of the, the normal, you know, types of potions. But one of them, one of my friends just, you know, had an idea and blurted it out and it was just a joke and I'm, yeah, we're, we're printing that one. And so I'll, I'll tell you about that one later. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> It's not gonna be something weird like fart in a jar or something, is it? No, it's it's uh, <laughs> not, not not too far off from that. But <laughs> <laughs> swamp gas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like I like the the little little doodads. You know, the t- it's we started with the tiles, and then we added the potions. But the little things that you know people can add to their mocks to add character to it. You know, I, I love when I see people build their, you know, their medieval notice board and put all those up there and, you know, kind of like see what they're going to do with their medieval village or castle or what, because we, we have a variety of, you know, fantasy ones and, and more historical ones. And, you know, so it's, it's interesting to see like how fantasy or how realistic or how dark people go with, you know, what 
that's going on in their medieval village and and that kind of thing. You know, with that Viking village set coming out, there's probably great opportunities to accent that with some of the tiles and what and the, you know the character set pieces that you. Yeah, I, I've we've got some stuff in the works for that. And our biggest problem is is that I have so many ideas and and uh, trying to get the ideas out of my head on, into artwork onto press and then from the press to the website. I mean, we we work pretty far ahead, and it's you know it makes it. I guess I found that working ahead like that, when you run into production issues, you know, it doesn't necessarily throw you off course as much as if you're trying to get something printed for next week. And I just don't like to work like that. And so we already have most of the stuff done for the rest of the year. And we're working on early next year. We still got some things we're working on for this year. But if we have an issue and have to reorder pieces because we've misprinted something or, you know, we have an ink color matching issue and we have to go back and redevelop a formula for ink, you know, we're not too pressed if we're working three, four, five months out versus we've got to get this done for, you know, next week's release. Oh, we don't want you too pressed. (laughs) (laughs) It's late, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Going um, back to the uh, brick fair, because you were for a while before you got, you know, your family came in right to help you in the later days so did you got a chance to walk around? Did you happen to see any of your products and people's mocks walking around? I did. And I tried to take pictures of them. I, I can't remember if I ever got around to posting it or not, because I was, I was a bit brain dead by the time I got back. I think I posted some stories maybe, but I, I, you know, I, I had meant to go through and post a whole like wrap-up post and post all the pictures and tag everybody. I'm, per, uh, I'm personally pretty bad about remembering to post stuff because I, you know, I get in the shop and working on stuff and don't necessarily check Instagram. And even if I check it, I might check messages, but then not remember to post anything. I've, you know, I think I meant to post something today and didn't even get around to it. So I guess I'm going to post it in the morning. So the shows are really a whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. They, especially doing them solo. I, I had some help flew up for, they flew in Friday night to help me for the public days. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes, you know, I'll run the whole show by myself, drive up, that up. Wow. You know, it's they're they're exhausting. You know, it's it's a whole day of being social, you know, not just the selling, but you know, keep an eye on the booth, making sales, interacting with customers and finding time for lunch for the bathroom. Yeah. When you're working solo. Yeah. Yeah, Except first day we went out we went out and got you lunch because I was like, I don't I don't know if he can leave. Yeah, I there have been days when I eat a big breakfast and then go out to dinner after and then just go to bed immediately and sleep till the to the next day. Yeah, it's understandable. My favorite part, besides our first time when we had dinner and you were telling us your story. So, Nick, I don't know if you flew out at that point, but I basically told Ethan, I was like, look, I want to make the uh, the ultimate K-Town fig. Yeah. You know, I want to I want to I want to fig barf. I want something that represents your best legs. You know, I grabbed the K-Town as King Torso because that's, you know, just iconic. And then, you know, we, he helped me figure out which which is the the head that screams K-Town. So we grabbed a Queen of Hearts head, grabbed a bloody helmet. We grabbed one of the new, you know, molded axes and legs. And it, sits up, it actually sits up on my uh, shelf. You know, I've got it right here, which I'll put in the show notes. But I keep, I keep it on my, my Sig Fig display because <laughs> until you print something of yourself, until we have like a right. peasant fig or yeah. something, this is my K-Town Sig Fig. <laughs> I really enjoy it. 
Nick, if you didn't have anything else, I was going to go ahead and dive into some of the audience questions. Oh, let's do it. And then we can go, we want to talk a little bit about photography. So I know you want to talk about that. So we'll touch on that. But so minifigures.co.uk, Andrew, um, our buddy over across the pond, was you know curious if you've ever explored resellers in other markets like the European market to help figure out how to offset the cost of, you know, the shipping challenges that those international customers have. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, for a while we've, we've had an issue where drops sell out on the same day. And so it's been difficult to be able to make enough to supply to a reseller when we don't have enough to stock our own website. I'd say, you know, within the last six months or so, we're, we're getting to the point where we're going to start looking towards that in the future. Awesome. Okay. He'll be happy to hear that. All right. This one's from mini fig brick pick. What's up, Aaron? What's more enjoyable printing or injection molding and why? Hmm. Um, definitely printing once with the injection molding, once you have, you know, a mold designed and, and cut, it's, it's a pretty repetitive process. There's minor adjustments to the the process settings but after that it's it's pretty repetitive obviously when we first run a, a new mold it's it's very interesting because i just love to take that first part out and, and look at it and and test the fits and everything like that but I, i'd say printing i'm personally a big printing nerd and i like to like push our capabilities and some of the things we have coming up are are pretty intense with some advanced techniques that we're trying out and and uh, I don't want to give too much away, but but I think there's some some pretty cool figs. I love that. So, you, you can, know, figuring you can tell out us those. when we stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just buy a figure sometimes just to kind of marvel at the technical side of things. And then <laughs> a lot of times I'll just sell them afterwards. But I'm like, I can't believe if somebody was able to pull this off. I just got to look at it and take a picture of it. So, <laughs> well, you know, so one of the one of the things I did during the Brick Fair weekend, I brought in because Ethan had never personally handled any um, customs from the Far Eastern brands. So I brought in like a Jin MK1 to talk about molding. I brought in the Jaka, Odin and Frigga to show the different techniques and whatnot to see if that inspired. And, and what does he do? He starts like going all CSI and breaking down. Well, this is how they did this. And this is how they did this. And this is, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it was really it was really fascinating to watch. And I was I felt like I was learning a lot just staying there watching you look at something. But I yeah. remember you specifically stated the dress on Jocko's um, Frigga, Thor's mom. Uh, that was the fig that kind of took you back for a minute and you really, really liked. That was the one with the registration on the sides. Right, right on the the, the curved slope piece. Yeah, so I, I I like to reverse engineer stuff, like just even random things that are around the house or, you know, any, like, I don't know. I Like I like to look at things and, you know, look at where the the parting lines are on molded parts and where the gate points are and just i'm just a a manufacturing nerd in general i guess and so i like to it was really interesting to me to see that kind of stuff because the pad printing and printing on those abstract services there's distortion and so to be able to to make those things align around abstract services is, is very difficult and so it was fascinating to me to to look at that and and kind of hypothesize how they might have been able to pull that off. Now, collectors already, we've already answered this question, but I just want to give them a shout out and say thank you for submitting your question. It was basically in reference to how you got into printing and your thought process behind selecting what to print. So I just want to say thank you, collector, for submitting that. I hope we answered it accordingly. A little off track from customs, but Blumasaurus wants us to ask you about the Jaguars. 
Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if we talked about this yet, but I, I went to Brazil. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I didn't think we talked since we've been recording, but yeah, I, I went to Brazil earlier this month and did a Jaguar safari and, and had a blast. It was, it was unreal. <laughs> um, I saw 27 of them and, Jeez. and got some, some crazy pictures. And survived. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and survived. Yeah, I, I don't know. Some of them were pretty close. It was it was definitely an adrenaline rush. But um, I'm kind of a you know a wildlife nerd and a photography nerd, and had never done a whole lot of wildlife photography until now, and I'm I'm kind of hooked on it now. So, so next up, Johnny Boom Bricks, another guy we were able to meet at Brick Fair, Virginia. Super cool guy. So um, awesome. He says awesome guy. Yeah, yeah, really nice to get to spend time with you, man. Assuming the market was wide open, would you specialize in themes besides medieval? Possibly. It really comes down to, I really like to work on projects that I'm passionate about. And if I'm not really interested in it, 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 I find it hard to put like my full creative energy into it. And so that's a lot of what determines what we make. And, and so, yeah, I, I don't know. It really has to be something that I'm, I'm passionate about. Because I, I've heard um, Brett talk about how on the on the cast about how these companies are making for their own collection, and that's probably the the perfect description of my company too. Because you know, really, that's what I got into it for. It was going to be a side business to make what I wanted and, and sell enough to justify it. I'll have an idea at late hours of the night and just you know whip up the fig the next day and and put it on the design or on the print schedule. So. Sidebar: We we didn't ask you this directly, but you you are K Town full time, correct? That is correct. Yeah, you're the first guest we've had that this is actually your full time gig. So congratulations for being able to sustain, you know, <laughs> a lifestyle based on this. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you're, you're going to Brazil. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my mermaids paid for that. But um, yeah. no, the <laughs> that's that's awesome that you're able to turn. As Zach would say, you turned your hobby into a jobby and we're able to uh, make this a full-time passion and more importantly, not lose that passion because now you're depending on it to pay the bills. Yeah. That's, that's the, yeah. that's the dangerous line we all mm-hmm. walk when we start doing what we like for fun for income. So congratulations yeah. on that. So I'm going to take Johnny's last two questions. Cause the one is an obvious yes is, is asking if you're coming back to brick fair next year. That's the plan. You know, I've, yeah. As long as they have the show, I'll be there. (laughs) And Johnny Roombrick's last question is what made you finally hire your first employee? Um, I don't know. It's probably a couple of different things, you know, going from really just burnout where I was doing every single step of the process from design to printing packaging to even the order fulfillment and working an unhealthy amount of hours and you know, it was during COVID when there was not a whole lot to do other than work. And so I just put everything into it. And it got to a point where I got to a, a pretty bad burnout where I um, was like, all right, I'm going to need some help to take some of these, some of these things that I can delegate, I need to delegate. And so, and from there, it was kind of a, a natural progression where I had one and then, well, now there's now that I'm free to do more of this task, it creates more of this work. And so add another one and go from there. Looking forward to the future. Are there any kind of challenges or things that you are hoping 
you know, are there kind of puzzles that you're hoping to solve and unlock in the next year or two? I'm sure there's always like the projects where like when the technology gets there or something like that, or what, when we're set up to do it, I'd love to be able to make this thing. Right. Yeah. So you're right now we have our molds are, are relatively simple molded parts for the accessories. I'd like to, you know, go into making some more complex parts for the figures that we make. Like you talked about earlier with the, the, the molded parts for the figures. I, I really like to include those parts. We have some, molded parts coming out up for some figures, which I think really, really make the figs. So I'm excited to, to be releasing those probably around the end of the year. Sweet. And, um, but helmets and armor and, and all that stuff has been something that I've wanted to, to do, but just the, it adds a, a complexity to the molding process to have undercuts and the fitments and, and everything like that. So it's, you know, it's a, it's one of those things that's a, a long development process, but I think that it'll be worth the wait. Yeah, that's awesome. I really want you to make a, or somebody to make a molded, like a camera of some sort <laughs> so I can make yeah. the same thing with one. <laughs> yeah, the one you, the one I got from you, well, that was from, who, those, who was that? Was that from Input? A brick Affliction no, printed those, that, yeah. Man, that thing so intricate and i'm terrified of trying to put together with the tiny magnets but i gotta make something out of it it's so awesome but i don't know if i have the dexterity to actually make it happen so that's a side project for me one day <laughs> those are, i'm not giving up those are cool they're resin printed but i i would love an injection multiple one that i could put in a hand and <laughs> have it over molding everything uh, we have two last questions from some of our favorite canadians ogre bricks is asking if you are have any plans to do pad printed versions of your dog tag torsos, possibly. Uh, light nougat is is a tough color to come by, and I don't know. We have a stock of it, but I don't know if that would be the priority. It's also one of those things that's just not quite my my passion. The same way the medieval stuff is, and you know, earlier when I was in business, we made some some military stuff just you know because I needed to 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 pay the bills, <laughs> but I've kind of found that that's, that's better handled by people who have that passion. I, I don't. And so like the research that I put into the, the medieval figs that I make and stuff, I just don't necessarily have the same passion to, for the military. And so I'm going to leave that to the people who do have that passion and would do it better than me. So, well, that's respectable because a lot of some folks would just say, I'm going to go anywhere where the money is. So that, I think that's very respectable. Last question is from Brick Chick. Shout out Denise. What brands of customs do you collect, Ethan? So I don't collect as much as I do or I used to. I, you know, now I mainly get things that I am either interested in or am really impressed with what they have done manufacturing wise. And, and then, you know, I also try to, um, to buy stuff from the different brands that come out to the shows because it's kind of a, 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 we all know each other. It's a lot of the same people at all the shows. And so go around and talk to people and, and buy a little stuff, little something from each person, that kind of stuff. Awesome. Open invite. If you ever do see something on the other side of the tracks from like the, superhero customs world and you're interested in it either from you like the character or you're interested in looking at the techniques better just let us know you know hell i'll, I'll mail you one of my figs if you just want to look at it for a minute but um yeah i appreciate you know, it or if you if you or if you want you're just looking for a connection to how to get a pipeline to 
buying these things or just let me know. We'll, we'll take care of you. Um, one of my one of my goals with this podcast is to help break down the, the mysticism between the two worlds, not just between customer and brand owner, but and but also between it's kind of the collective is they've been grouped together like the Truid, CB, K Town, Biggs, you know, crew, and then the the, the Far Eastern custom world. Uh, I know like Joe had a lot of questions and you know Jaka has a lot of questions on the other side, you know, on his side of the pond. So um, I'm I'm working closer more and more to breaking those barriers down and hopefully getting you guys all together at the same time. So you guys can have yeah, a discussion. Yeah, we, we need a big awesome. Lego community summit, you know, like a, a round table. <laughs> Baby steps. I just got this podcast going. It's a long <laughs> way before I create a create a convention. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a great idea. As, as one of my old mentors would say, that's a great idea. You should get on that. <laughs> but uh everybody wants to take the reins on that one. By all means, go for it. Just don't turn into like a fire fest or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't really have any other questions directly, but you do have some questions for us regarding photography. We're more than willing to talk about that if you'd like. Uh, I, I do appreciate the fact that over the last two years, it seems a lot of brands have taken it on upon themselves to start presenting their products in a more polished fashion. For a long time, it was just like fig in hand, take a flash photo. This is what I'm selling. But now everyone's starting to either invest in their own photography skills and trying to learn it, or they're hiring collectors to do shots or they're hiring professionals in general. So you yourself, have, of the many hats you've, you've created, you're wearing, you've added on also the hat of you know, product photography. Can you walk us through all that? Well, one of the things I was, you know, curious to touch on is, it's just because you guys both uh, do a lot of photography with minifigs and just curious to talk about that and some different things like continuous light or flash and, you know, everybody has their own opinions on that. And I don't know, maybe this is a, you know, a different episode to go more in depth on, you know, minifig photography, but it's something that I'm, uh, I'm pretty interested in and, and like to get into the the technical stuff about. My short answer is... It depends really on the mm. situation, what mood you're trying to portray, what material you're shooting, your environment. There's, and you're, as you do get, as you venture into your wildlife photography, you'll probably experience this more than we will because at least we're in a controlled environment. You're out in nature. So, right. if anything, as you get more seasoned in what you're doing, you're probably going to come on this podcast and teach me something because <laughs> I'm probably the, I, I pull off some great stuff. But I'm also really good at Photoshop, so <laughs> right, I, and that's how I and that's how I compensate. Nick, by far, is more advanced. And this is what he does for a living. Um, this in video, so it might be best service as an offline conversation. But I don't want to rob Nick of the opportunity to answer this question. Sorry. Well, yeah, and I would say Ethan, man, <laughs> you were, I, yeah, I learned a lot from you too. You are a phenomenal photographer, man. I use continuous lighting because my background's in video. So that's what I have available to me. I would say I think flash would probably for still photography always be the preferred route if I knew anything about it. <laughs> but but I'm just super comfortable with continuous and also try to lean into the fact that I am more experienced in video and do video stuff whenever I can just to kind of, I don't know, I think it's fun and different from what a, I can't compete with any of these photographers. I mean, there's so many good toy photographers. Should have brought Marcus on. Yeah. Mark. Yeah. So 
I feel like I can develop a style and differentiate myself, you know, by leaning into that a lot. So, but yeah, so that's, that's my answer. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll say one thing that, that tells me you've got, uh, you're already a step ahead is that, you know, it wasn't until I got on my PC and I was pulling up the posts on the K town Instagram that I didn't even realize that your earlier, you know, UV works were in fact UV because obviously on a bigger screen, you can start seeing, you know, some of the natural tendencies that come with UV, like the green and whatnot. I've shot enough UV figs to know what a pain in the ass it can be. And you've done it in a way that makes them look bad. So, you know, pat yourself on the back for that. Um, there, there are some folks that don't understand how ink catches, how the UV ink can catch a glare or if they're, they run a, they run a process that leaves that like raised ink effect, whether I'm intentional or not, how much of a pain in the ass it is, especially on, especially when you're doing Spider-Man figs that has webbing (laughs) and trying, (laughs) trying to clean that up in post. But yeah, what, what I would like to do is connect you with Marcus, um, uh, MXBX, he does um, fake photography. He used to, um, well, he still does. He's got a pretty much a direct line with Mr. Lee, who does like amazing action figure photography for a living. And um, so, but he's taught himself based on learning from that guy. And I guess that'd be my challenge is find people that you feel are better than you and then mm-hmm. seek them out, pick their brain. It's no different than how you've learned how to do printing, right? So right. If, you're, if, you're, if you're an engineering junkie, and you're a print junkie. And because I remember when we were talking um, at Brick Fair, you started going into the process of how Lego does things and how the machines swap out inks and all this. I mean, you're obviously an encyclopedia of information. Uh, there's no reason why, you know, you can't squeeze some photography knowledge in there too by the same way you got so good at printing. I can uh, I can find some references for you, some, photogra- some photographers for you. Uh, Four Bricks Tall is a really good lego photographer she does a lot of official stuff for lego um she's associated with brick central she does a lot of tutorials and she has her own youtube channel now yeah and she and she's tackling tough subjects like doing photography with a phone flash but then she also brings out like the probe lens so she's she's on both ends of the spectrum as far as yeah. you know <laughs> the things that are possible we, we, have a, we have one of those probe lenses we've actually been shooting some some pretty cool content with that for the so for our fall releases and part of the wednesday video that we did one of the shots from that was with the probe so it's, are you it's really awesome is your upcoming stuff video or still that you're using that lens for ethan it takes I, I don't know if we've life. actually used it at all for still. Really? Yeah, yeah. F fourteen. It's it, like every every light we've got is is on that scene. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was wondering because they just released that F eight, <laughs> and it, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's going to be hard not to get that if you're doing video. But that's sorry. Well, that's, and, uh, you know, I, I'll have to look though because you know one of the things about the probe is that the, you know the depth of field is just so shallow. That I don't know if that's a good point. Um, I I haven't too much into the F8. I know that at you know F14, it's still just like you just have like a hair's thickness of of you know focal depth of range. Yeah. So, so for those uh, listening, a probe lens is basically like it looks like a vacuum cleaner tube. Like so, <laughs> I mean, it really it really is exactly how it sounds. It looks like a probe. It's a really long cylindrical lens that allows you to do extreme macro. It's really cool. Like if you've looked at any four bricks is tall stuff and then uh, Nick, you used it for your mini bigs miles promo video. Did you not? Yeah, I used it for that. I did a citizen brick 
lowrider video, I used it for that. Anything where you want to like get at the level of a brick or push through a really small, like it can go through a Lego sized doorway and like dolly into a door. Tiago so awesome. is a really good guy who does a lot of cool stuff with that probe lens. Yeah, it, it's phenomenal. It, it's about $2,400 for that lens, I think. Is that the low end or is that mid-range? But that that's a pretty budget budget friendly one for that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab some like plexiglass and some paper towel rolls and try to make one or something because because uh, I don't have 2400 to it's drop a one. Pretty on the specialized lens. piece of equipment, so <laughs> it is, yeah, uh, but fun. Well, and I love that you integrate builds into your photos, Ethan. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's yes, you do your own world building, which is excellent. Thank you. Well, and with that probe, it's actually interesting what we're doing with it. We've, because the probe is such a unique perspective, we've actually been building kind of a scene around the probe because it's a very different field of view. And so it's taken a little bit longer, but we've, you know, kind of crafted a little bit of a world around what shots we've got planned for the probe. And, you know, we have it kind of on a a dolly so that it's going to it almost gives like a lifelike feel to the to the lego scene because you know you can get it eye level and you can move past things you know because compared to a lego figure a camera is you know the size of a bus but with the probe lens being one inch around you know you can get in a lot tighter a lot closer move past things that you know your full camera can't move past and it kind of creates a i don't want to say illusion because it's not an illusion but it it like adds a sense of grandioseness, I guess. It does. It makes it feel like it's like you got shrunken down to a Lego sized person and viewing everything. Right. It's great. It's honey. I shrunk the kids. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Hey, listen, if you don't have anything else for us, uh, Nick, do you have anything else you'd like to discuss? No, I, th- I think that covers it. Just such an honor to get to talk to you. Such a nice dude. And I always Absolutely. look forward to seeing you at shows. And what I would hope to do is, um, you know, maybe we can have another episode specifically about digital photography. We did once that was mostly about photography and editing with Azork, but we didn't go into the technical aspects of the equipment used, especially when we found some of these great photographers are just using their phone and they're using drawing apps on their phone to do all their uh, their editing, which is phenomenal. But I was actually talking to Figs2Art the other day. He's a really talented Lego artist. And we, we were just talking about translating design to minifigure. And he's like, yeah, I really don't know Adobe Illustrator. I do everything on my phone. It's like, holy crap. <laughs> but that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. And Ethan, obviously, open door to come back anytime. If there's any subjects you'd like to tackle in particular, or if you just want to be a fly on the wall, you're more than welcome to sit back and hang out. Of course, our DMs are always open as well. To those listening, thank you for all for stopping by. Thank you for listening all the way through the end through the fried chicken discussion, through the probe lens discussion. Make sure you get some good um, chicken. <laughs> the pop, the pop tarts. Did we talk about pop tarts on the recording? Or was that before I hit record? I can't remember. Regardless, we appreciate you uh, sticking through it all this. Be sure to let us know in the comments what you think, if you have any additional questions. Ethan, I assume your DMs are always open. Yep. Cool. And yeah. thanks for having me on here. I, I appreciate the, the opportunity to to talk about K-Town and, and, and talk with you guys. Yes. And if you have any um, questions, if you ever, if you're more interested, you can go to K-Town. It's ktownbricks.com, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, So ktownbricks.com, same on Insta and go buy stuff and support a good guy. <laughs> Give him your monies. Get your goat farmers. And um, go get your goat farmers. And again, for those who are interested in 
saying thanks. There are links in the show notes to that to everything we've covered today. But also, if you want to send your appreciation and buy me a coffee, you're more than you know, it's more than appreciated, but never obligated. And until next time, we will see you later. Everyone, say bye. 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 <laughs> Ethan, you got to say bye. Everyone, it's what we do around here. Say I'm, I'm I said bye. <laughs> say say Zaxby's. <laughs> I want you on my rack I want to make you ring I want you to unwrap I want to pull your string Bring me the next shiny